So today is um, Pentecost Sunday and we would love to encourage you to be asking the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you in a deeper way. And so what we're going to do, we've got a couple of little videos that we're going to show. And then once we come out of that, there's a small amount of teaching that I want to do and also engage with some questions. So, so far we've got two questions. So with only two questions, there won't be a lot of Q&A. So please do ask questions. You must have questions about Pentecost, about the Holy Spirit. Um, if you're part of a couple at home, chat to one another. What do you think about the Holy Spirit? And then that might maze up, raise up a question. Um, if we haven't got any, I'm not going to make any up. So we'll just draw it to an end um, after we've done that. So I'm just going to hand over firstly to a great little Bible project video. We've done a few of these um, over the weeks. And so this one is on the teaching on the Holy Spirit. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but what is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. <sighs> so you feel that inside you. Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply. That too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes, and the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. This story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
And soon after that, the Spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving Spirit. Okay, so I've moved Natalie out of the way now. Um, so it's just me, guys. We're going to look at the Word of God, and we're just going to talk a little bit um, around some of the questions that have come up as well. I love those Bible Project videos because they get to communicate something visually that I just could never do, um, just in my words alone. And so they're really, really helpful for that. Um, just to let you know about this great book written by Terry Virgo, sort of kicked off the meeting, The Spirit-Filled Church. Terry Virgo is the leader of our movement of churches. This is a great book. This really informs a lot of who we are, what we're about. It's kind of like a foundational book for New Testament church life and the Holy Spirit being kind of very, very important for that. And so what we're going to do is just pray. So I'm going to ask Natalie, actually, I'm going to turn the camera around. She's actually just next to me, Natalie, to pray <laughs> and start us off before we look at the word of God. Okay. Yeah, we thank you, Father, that you are present, that your words are full of life and um, that you are in them so we pray Lord that you will bring your spirit-filled life to us as we look at your word and as we talk about your Holy Spirit and all that Pentecost means not just at that moment but for our lives as we go on as followers of you Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 There we go. Great. Natalie's actually knitting so if you can hear a it's Natalie just sat next to me knitting. Um, so what we're going to do is we are going to look at a few verses, uh, well two verses specifically, but we might look at a third one just to answer one of the questions. We've only had two questions, so guys, come on, wake up, ask some questions, that would be very, very helpful. It's a silent day at church today, so please make use of the chat. Um, I, I won't ask again. <laughs> right, okay, so um, the first verse that I'd love you to look at is Joel 2.28. It'll actually come up on the screen, and so here we go. Uh, this is the prophet Joel, and he he had this message from God. It says, and it shall come to pass afterwards, or other versions put that as the, in the latter days, which are what we're living in now, the latter days. So it shall come to pass in the latter days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And so this is a beautiful declaration from God to the Israelite people that there is a day coming, the latter days after the coming of Christ, when God will pour out his spirit on all flesh, not just on the guys, not just on the trained, not just on the chosen few, but on all flesh. The beautiful thing in the second part at the bottom, the second paragraph, even on the male and the female servants, this is absolutely radical for the day and age that this was written. Um, the Spirit of God is, is no regarder for gender, is no regarder for education, 
is no regarder of kind of your social background or your status, no regarder of the colour of your skin, mentioned in our prayer earlier. He's been poured out on all flesh so that we might dream dreams, so that we might prophesy, so that we might see deep wonders of the things that God wants to share with us. I don't know about you, friends, but that is super, super exciting. In the book of Acts, in verse, I think it's in chapter 2, Acts 2. Well, let's go back, actually, well, let's go to Acts 1 first. We'll go to Acts 1. So in Acts 1, Jesus has told the disciples to go and wait in an upper room for a number of days and to pray and that the gift of the Holy Spirit will be given to them. And he says this in Acts 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so this promise from Jesus is that the Spirit of God is given to us to empower us in our witness. That we will be witnesses when the Spirit comes on us. Like Terry said in his um, little video before worship. That the Spirit comes to empower our witness, to make us bolder in proclaiming and declaring the wonders of God. We see in Joel this wonderful promise that the Spirit is poured out on all flesh so that we might know more of God. We might have dream dreams and have visions of things that could be. That the entrepreneurial spirit in us might lead us to go and plant churches or to start new initiatives that actually change darkness into light in our communities, which is super exciting to be a part of that. Now, in the book of Acts 2, so someone had asked, is talking in tongues to do with Pentecost? I'm just going to look in my Bible. Acts 2. In Acts 2, verse 17, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. They've been in the upper room and the Spirit falls on them. And it says that, verse Acts 2, verse 2, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse 3, Divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began, began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it says that they went out onto the street speaking this heavenly language. It's called glossalia. It's basically like the, the language of angels is what I've heard some people use it. We don't know what it is, but some people are given the gift of interpretation. If a tongue is ever brought in a church, you should always wait for the interpretation because it's often a Godward thing that needs to be interpreted so the whole body can benefit from it. I've been in many a church meeting where that isn't the case. And then the beautiful thing is just after this they then spill out onto the streets and the disciples start under, under the power of the Holy Spirit preaching the gospel in this heavenly language and there are people there in Jerusalem from all different nations they've gone there to worship the God of Israel so some of these people um, they were from different nations but they worshiped the God of Israel and they were there and they began to hear the gospel in their own language there were the people there who were unbelievers and they heard the gospel in their own language it says there were Cretes and Cyrians and um, Galileans Parthians Medes Elamites people from Mesopotamia Judea Cappadocia Pontius and Asia and other places besides and all of these people heard the gospel in their own language, even though the disciples were speaking in tongues. And then we know later on, it, we hear this amazing thing, what must we do to be saved? And then thousands were added to the church as Peter commanded them to repent and to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they too were to go out, great commission, and do likewise. The Spirit, Acts 1.8, was given to them 
for bold witnessing to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. That is super, super exciting. So when we gather together as a church on a Friday or a Wednesday and we're praying and we're praying for the salvation of people, God is asking us to do that in the power of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is the one who gives us the words to witness. And the, it's not by wise and persuasive words, but by a demonstration of the Spirit's power that people encounter Jesus. We don't argue people into the kingdom of God, but they hopefully encounter Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Peace comes into their life. Hope comes into their heart. Maybe healing comes into their body. That's what we need to believe for and contend for in our day and age. And friends, the spiritual temperature is so high right now in our nation because people are faced with the very real kind of their mortality about COVID-19. Big questions about life and death. One in 20 people apparently have turned to prayer during lockdown. One in four have clicked in online to a church service apparently according to UK statistics. That is unusual. Would we get ourselves ready in the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to our local, to our region, to our nation, to the ends of the earth, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He's given to empower us in our witness. It says elsewhere in the Bible that he's given as a seal that we are children of God, that our spirit cries out, Abba, Father. It's like baby language, Abba, 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 Father. Abba, Father, thank you that I'm a child of God, that I'm no longer estranged, that I'm no longer a slave, but I'm, I'm a free man. I've been adopted. Every right and privilege is mine through the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing, amazing gift. It's also a gift we see in Joel that's given so that we will dream dreams and have visions, that we will begin to see things. I had an encounter before we planted Hope Church Sittingbourne at a church planting conference in Malaga where someone laid hands on me prayed for me i was out in the spirit on the floor for about an hour and i heard things and i saw things a bit like on your phone where you get your phone and you can scrub through the pictures on your phone i saw things and i heard the name audibly hope church sitting ball and i rang my wife natalie she sat here i have a wife she's called natalie and i rang adam Vogue, who leads our um, church i was part of at the time cornerstone city church that sent us here and i said god's spoken to me about a new work about Hope Church Sittingbourne. I'd already been to Sittingbourne to pray and, and had seen the golden hope. And so it was just very unusual how God did that. And then some weeks later, six weeks later, 23 leaders walking up and down Sittingbourne High Street. And one of them, David King, who's preached at our church before, said, I think there's something about the name Hope Church. I feel like God wants there to be a new church here called Hope Church. Mm. And I was so excited because I hadn't told him that. But I'd already gone away in the background and reserved the website name, started to build a website. God prophetically spoke. He dreamed dreams. He gave us visions about the work that we're involved in now. That gives us great confidence. We feel like we're a ship that's hoisted its sail up and the spirit is breathing like that Ruach is breathing us into the purposes of God. Friends, could we give ourselves to being empowered by the Holy Spirit for his purposes here in Sittingbourne, in Tenham, wherever we find ourselves so that God might be glorified. That's super exciting. Super, super exciting. And so what I want to do is I want to just play you one more little video, which there's is... Some more questions. There's some more questions. I'll check those questions out during work. We're going to be going all afternoon now. Well done, guys. So I'm going to... Um, we've got one more video, which is Terry Virgo giving an interview. It was quite a long interview. This is just about seven minutes of it. But it's Terry talking about his very personal experience, his experience more than the theology, although it's undergirded by theology of his encounter with the Holy Spirit and what it did in his life. Bearing in mind, this was when he was a young man 
and now he's kind of you know definitely retirement age um, and there, there are literally thousands of churches under the banner of um, of new frontiers and all the spheres that make make that up we're part of relation we are part of relational mission which is a new frontiers sphere there are thousands of churches across the globe as a result of what God has done through this one man in bringing churches into charismatic renewal, we should be very thankful for that mighty work of the Spirit in Terry's life and everything that's come subsequently by the grace of God. Um, so let's just listen to Terry's uh, little interview. Well, Terry, it's great to have you with us here. And uh, I really wanted to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I know you've spoken a great deal about life in the Spirit and even written a book on the Spirit-filled church, which has been a help to lots of people. And so um, I just wanted to ask you, uh, in your own life, uh, can you just talk a little bit about how you came into relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, thanks, Sam. Yeah, I was born again when I was 16, and certainly when I received Christ, I was aware of the Spirit coming into my heart, I, I felt I felt I was being born again. I, it wasn't just a mental thing. I, 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 to my amazement, as a 16-year-old young man, I found tears, which sort of surprised me. Um, and yeah, so I've known the, the presence of God with me from that time. But as I went on as a Christian, and particularly when I was trying to serve God and trying to be a witness where I felt I was miserably failing, uh, and noticing how the apostles were told you'll receive power and then you'll be witnesses mm. and seeing I guess particularly Simon Peter just denying the Lord uh, even to a little girl saying no I don't know him I'm not with him and then the power of the Spirit came upon him and he became a witness uh, bold uh, transformed they took note of their boldness that they'd been with Jesus and I thought is that possible for me can I know that and longed for freedom to name the name of Jesus to the unsaved, um, friends and others. And uh, so as a result of that, I began praying about it, researching it, reading books. The more books I read, the more confused I got. Um, but then ultimately, uh, went to a Pentecostal friend of mine who I knew, and I was always uh, impressed by his freedom to talk about Jesus in kind of neutral situations. We'd have lunch together sometimes in London and he'd always be witnessing and I'd sit there in my usual problems. And uh, one, one weekend I went through a bit of a crisis where I, I was on the seafront where I lived in Brighton, um, which is a seaside town and thousands of people walk along the promenade on a Sunday afternoon. I was walking there and saw some elderly ladies um, trying to witness and uh, singing and speaking and that was very weak and uh, they had frail elderly voices and uh, people were throwing things at them and it was a pretty bad scene. And I felt ashamed and, uh, and then just in front of me there were two people, one said to the other, look at those old fools why don't they keep their religion to themselves? And uh, even there, I felt God said, well, you know, at least speak to them. And once again, I couldn't. I just felt, I just hopeless. I, I, I wouldn't speak up. And uh, I, I was, I, it ceased to be 
you know, like, this man says this, this man says this, who, I don't know what the theology of the Spirit is, I got confused reading one book and another. I, I mean, one hero of mine was Martin Lloyd-Jones, another hero of mine was John Stott. They disagreed, so who was I to work it out? I kind of gave up. But that day, I, it wasn't a matter of theological interest, I desperately wanted an answer. So I went to this guy on the Monday, the next day, I said, please tell me. So he said, well, come to my church next Sunday, we'll lay hands on you to receive the Holy Spirit, which was a novel thought to me in those days. And uh, I went to his church, they laid hands on me, I received the Holy Spirit, I spoke in tongues for about two hours in the meeting, because it went straight from being prayed for into a church service. And uh, I sat at the very back of the church while the service was going on. I put my hand over my face so as not to disturb anybody. I was very quiet. But I just, just kept, I never felt the nearness of God. I never felt this Abba Father. I knew God was my Father, but I'd never felt this intimacy before. So for me, that was my introduction into a new experience of the Spirit. He was right in here now. Who's in my, in my mouth? He's right with me. And uh, I, I was amazed. And that was a privilege, really, going back to my, whole, my home church and then having opportunity uh, to pray for the young people at the pastor's request, actually, the Baptist church I belong to. And several got filled with the Spirit, and then we, we together went down to that same seafront, and I preached in the open air, something that was way out of my reach before. That's what I longed for, that freedom to uh, own Jesus publicly. So that was how I, that's how I began to know more of the Spirit. So that happened a few years back. Yes. Uh, tell me a little bit about your relationship with the Holy Spirit today on a day-to-day -day level. Hmm. How is he working in your life, and what are some evidences of his presence now? Yeah. Well, I feel that, that the Lord Jesus said that uh, another one like me is coming, and he'll be with you, and you can be in fellowship with him. Uh, he'll draw near. He's the Paracletos, he's the one called alongside, another one like Jesus, who, as it were, would replace Jesus uh, in our experience of knowing God uh, and be there on his behalf. So for me in the mornings, I do aim to engage with the Spirit. My, my morning prayer time would be very much, I'm in the Word first, that's my normal style, and then I, I, I pray, and I've, I'll often, I'll often pray in tongues for quite a while, I'll sing in tongues, and really feel the engagement of the presence of the Spirit. I feel His presence quite physically. I, I kind of feel on my forehead, I feel this sense of the presence of the Lord, and I will engage with the presence of the Spirit before I start asking anything. Um, and that's, I'm looking for the knowledge of the nearness of God, the presence of God. And I believe that's, that's our, uh, the inheritance of the believer, that he has the f as we talk, talk about the fellowship, the communion of the Spirit. And I, I enjoy the fellowship, the real companionship of the Spirit. Uh, and then I look to him to help me to pray, uh, intercede for various things. But uh, I'm looking to enjoy his nearness, mm. first of all.
Okay, well, it's a wonderful encouragement there from um, Terry Virgo, uh, being interviewed by Sam Poe of the Confluence Churches, part of New Frontiers. And so we've got a couple of questions. I think that video might have touched on both of them, actually. Um, but one of the questions was about um, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, can you lose that feeling or feeling, I guess? And so I do think there are subsequent infillings of the Holy Spirit. That would be my experience. But the Spirit is necessary for us to be regenerated, to be born again. So we cannot respond to God other than the Spirit of God. We saw that in the Bible project video where the Spirit comes to bring and birth life. But I do think obviously the Bible teaches that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. So if we're living in the sinful way, then the Spirit will depart from us because God will not partner himself with ongoing decisions around sin and so that's when people can get into real conflict because they want to follow God but yeah they're trapped in a pattern of behavior um, that is unbiblical and doesn't honor God um, so there's that as a reality but I do think if we're not like Terry said he in the mornings he's setting time aside to commune with God to pray with God to pray in the spirit to worship God and so I think all of these things imagine a car you have to put gas in the tank and so in some ways, if we're not setting time aside to encounter Jesus, if I'm not putting time aside to spend time with my lovely wife, our relationship will suffer. And so it's the same if I'm not spending time communing with the Holy Spirit, who is my doorway to God. Now that Jesus is gone, he's been sent as the helper, as the parakletos, that I might spend time with God through partnership with him. And he's with me always because he dwells inside of me. But if I'm negligent of that fact and I don't commune with him, I don't speak with him in every moment or to set time aside, then I'm going to notice that. But there are these unusual times when God comes very tangibly in power and we can feel and sense his presence near us. We were speaking about this in Hope Group this week and I think those moments are not the norm. And so sometimes what we crave those moments, I'd love to live in that feeling of when I was first baptized in the spirit and I was speaking in a heavenly language. It was like, Abba, Father, blah, 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 blah. There was, I was crying and there were things coming out everywhere. I was a shaking mess. But I knew, I knew that God loved me. His presence was so close to me. I could feel his presence. I felt sin lifting off of me. I, I could almost feel like liquid love cuddling me and holding me. The power and presence of God. I knew that I was a son. In that moment, I knew that I was a son. And I look back and I don't think that didn't happen. I, I hold on to that moment as if it was now. And if I dwell on it, I, I'm so thankful for it because I've experienced the love of God. And even though I'm not feeling that right now as acutely as I did then, it doesn't take me long to start working that up in my heart. Just, Jesus, thank you so much that you've met with me, that you've told me that I, you love me. All the truths that we're reading in Ephesians are true because the Spirit witnesses to it in my heart. One of the other questions was from Tunji, I think, and it said about if the Spirit isn't evident in the speaking of tongues, how else is the Spirit evident? And so I think all of these things, knowing the sense a sense of God's love, a sense of God's peace. Sometimes people feel a physical feeling of, of chills or of heat or of just comfort, of a, almost like a stillness, like being on the top of a mountain. When we read through the book of Acts, sort of 99.9% .9 of the time when the Spirit comes, people either prophesy or they speak in tongues. It's a bit like water being poured into a jug. There's an overflow. There's an experience. But the jug knows that the water's gone in. And so the, when the Spirit is present, I think you can sense it. I would say that in my own 
experience. Um, the spirit also sometimes comes and, and brings impressions onto people's bodies, particularly if they've got a healing ministry. So if you've got an achy shoulder that wasn't aching before, have a look around. There may be someone to pray for because God wants you to draw near, lay hands on. Obviously, with social distancing, we've got to be sensible about that little caveat. But to pray for people for healing when we get impressions of pain or of sickness or of weight in our body is sometimes I've read an indicator of that. Um, but not everyone speaks in tongues. Not every believer speaks in tongues. But it's a gift that can be contended for. God gives gifts to his children liberally. And so if we ask him for, for a bit of bread, he's not going to give us a snake. And so like Terry's experience, he yearned and he longed to encounter the presence and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, that he would have boldness to witness. But it didn't happen straight away. Like He said he was timid like Peter and, it, and he would deny Jesus. He wouldn't speak up. But he pursued it and he wanted it and he prayed about it. And then he sought a friend out who prayed for him. And it was like that for me. I went to a, a, an evening service with my friend Ken who led me to Jesus. He was a bit of a spiritual father to me. And we went to this church in Horsham in Sussex called Kingdom Faith. And I was actually exploring potentially going to Bible college there. And I went there one evening to a, a church service, a, a Sunday evening service. And all the way there, I was saying, Ken, I can't wait. I really want to meet with God. I'd not ever encountered the Holy Spirit before. And then before the service, we could hear the worship team out the back all praying in tongues. There was this hubbub of Holy Spirit noise and tongues and prayer. And you could almost feel it emanating from the room that they were in. And when they came out and started worshipping, I just started worshipping, telling God how good he was. And I started to run out of words. And in that moment, I started praying in a language I'd never spoken before. And I could feel something like water being poured into a jug, like warm oil flooding and flowing all over me. And I had such a powerful encounter with God that I've only had two or three of those in all my Christian experience over about 15 years. But I know that God met with me. That was not a drug that I took. Someone hadn't slipped something into my drink. It was like nothing I've ever encountered before. But it completely affirmed everything that the Bible says to be true of Jesus and the Father and of the Holy Spirit. And so, friends, this morning, we really want to encourage you. We're going to pray to invite you to encounter the Holy Spirit this morning. Now, we're not able to meet and lay hands on you physically but I believe that the Holy Spirit moves in, in mysterious ways. For Paul, when he was walking through the town, he would pray for cloths that people would take to other people to heal them. And so we don't need to be in the same room to invite the Holy Spirit to come. But the Holy Spirit won't come unless you want him to come. And so let's just trust him this morning and invite him to come, that he would do a work in our hearts, not for our own benefit, but also so that we can be witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth to Sittingbourne, to Swale, to Kent, the UK, and the nations. Are you up for that? Yeah, they all said. Great. So now my wonderful assistant, my beautiful wife, assistant, is back in the room. And so I'm going to invite Natalie to pray. Um, and so you just might want to pray in your own heart. Natalie's going to lead you in a prayer. You might want to repeat. Yeah. We thank you, Father God, that you have sent not just your son, but also your spirit. Thank you that we have the great privilege of being in relationship with you. And I pray this morning that you will help us to open our hearts. You'll help us to help me to put fear aside and to allow your Holy Spirit in. Thank you that your Spirit changes us, gives us new life, gives us breath, gives us opportunity and I pray that you'll help us to grow in faith through the empowering of your Holy Spirit. I pray for your young men 
to dream dreams for the young and old to have experience of you to hear you calling them in the night to have visions and words of wisdom and discernment and words of prophecy i pray that you'll pour this out on all of those that are listening that you'll you'll give them gifts and that give them comfort and certainty that you are with them thank you that you never leave us lord god amen 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 well done love great